fantastic, fantastic. Hey, you guys, can we thank Temi Tape for leading us in worship? Wasn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. Well, hey, if we could get a little lights in here, I'd love to be able to see these students. If we could get some lights on, it'd be good to see you. But hey, my name is Eric, and I am so excited that every one of you are here. And I'm so excited you made the trek up the mountain, that you came to Hume SoCal. Are you guys excited to be at Hume SoCal this weekend? It's going to be it's going to be an awesome weekend. I'm so excited again that you are here. I am a student ministries pastor and a teaching pastor at a church down the hill and I just love I love Hume. I love what God does at camp. And and I just want to tell you, I mean my life was radically transformed because of camp. I remember when I was a freshman in high school, I was driving up to summer camp with our youth group, and I came to summer camp, no lie, I came to meet a girl. I mean, there was a cute girl going to camp. I was all about it. I came to camp to meet a girl, and God had different plans because I met God. And when I met God at camp, everything changed for me. And so I don't know what your, I love what Temi Tope was saying, I don't know what your motivation is for being up here. I don't know why you think you're here. Maybe you've been waiting to come to Hume for months. Maybe you just found out this week or today that you were coming to camp. Maybe your parents signed you up and you're pissed at them that they signed you up for camp. I just want to tell you that it is no accident you're here. That God has something very specific for you if you'll be open to him. And so as we begin, I, I want to open in prayer. And I want to invite everyone here to hold their hands open with me like this. And, and, and when we're holding our hands open, what, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, maybe for some of you it's, God, if you're real, would you show up this weekend? Maybe some of you are coming up to camp and you are carrying so many burdens that what the last couple years have been like for you have been hell. That, that for some of you, parents are separating. There's some crazy things going on in your home. The friends that you thought you had have all betrayed you. That you're feeling empty and you're like, God, I don't even know if you could be real. That, that by you holding your hands open, you're saying, God, if you're real, I, I need you to show up this weekend. Maybe for some of you, at one point, you knew he was real. But, but that relationship is kind of like a distant memory. And you need to be reminded of Maybe for some of you, you're coming up here and, and, and you're passionate about Jesus. You love Jesus. And you know that there's always next. That you never graduate from following Jesus. That you never outgrow a relationship with Christ. And so you know that there's still more. And so wherever you're at, let's hold our hands open. And let's just invite God into this place and into our weekend together. Heavenly Father, we come before you with our hands held open. You know. You know what's been going on in our lives. You know the thoughts we have about you, the thoughts we have about ourselves. God, you know all of it. And I pray with our hands open that it would be a reflection of the posture of our heart. That we have a desire to meet with you, to know if you're real, to encounter you. And God, I pray that you would do just that for all of us. That you would speak to us. That you would draw us close. That you would say just what we need to hear from you. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, before we jump in, I want to introduce myself a little bit to you. So I'm going to show some pictures of my family. I think we got those up here on the screen. Okay, here's the first picture. 
Um, yeah, this is me and my wife, Sarah. This was us on our wedding day. Uh, let me answer a question that all of you are asking right now. Again, let me answer the question all of you are asking, and it's this. Was he 12 years old when they got married? No, we weren't 12. We were 14. And so we got married, and, and that was awesome. That was awesome. Let's go to the next picture. Uh, shortly after that, uh, Charlie came into our life, and, and here's the deal. I'm going to ask you this weekend to get really vulnerable, to be really honest with your cabin, to maybe share some things that are uncomfortable, and I want to model that for you right now. That is a grown man in feety pajamas, and that's uncomfortable and weird for some of us, but it's just me. That's me. That's me. All right, let's go to the next picture. We have another picture. Okay, this is, this is Brinley. Uh, this is Brinley. I actually... My wife's in the back. I, I can't remember if this is Brinley or Lila. I'm the worst dad, you guys. I don't know. I think this is Brinley. But all I know is I love this photo because this is Brinley or Lila when they were little. I'm the worst. I mean, anyway, this is Brinley or Lila at some point raising their hand. And both Brinley and Lila, they have this genuine faith with Jesus, like this relationship with God. They love him. And, and so I think, you know, this was like that moment where maybe we were playing worship songs or I don't know what, but they were just like in the praise. They were they were feeling it they were in the moment praising god or farting i don't know maybe they were saying it was me you know i don't know i don't know what they were doing there but let's go to the next photo we have, we have another one okay this is our family's kind of expanded so we got charlie brinley and then there's lila right there in the yellow i love this we, we try to take these family photos and i love this one of lila because she's making the face like she's afraid she's going to get dropped right now you know what i mean like she's having a near-death experience so she is falling Right now, I love this photo. All right, let's go to, to the next one. We've got another photo, I think. of. Okay, so this is all of them. So that's Charlie and Brinley and then Lila and Levi. And so you're going to see us up here all weekend. They are so excited to be with each of you this week. And I show you these pictures because pictures are important. Because they give you an understanding of who I am, of who my family is. But I want to ask you a question. When you picture God... What do you see? When you think about who God is, what thoughts come to your mind? Help illustrate this. I need my friends uh, Connor and Joseph to come on up here, guys. Can you give Connor and Joseph a round of applause? All right, guys, let's stand up here real quick. So stand up here. Okay, so to help me with this, um, we need one of you guys to play the God character. So, like, who, who was nicer today? Who was nicer? Let's see. All right, you're the God character. You're the guy, and you're Joseph, right? Okay, Joseph's the God character. Oh, so Connor, here we go. Here we go. Here's what I want you to do. Okay, so you're the God character. Okay, so come on over here. Stand on over here. So here's what I want you to think of. God desires that all of us would know him, that we would know his character, that we would know his attributes, that we would authentically, genuinely know who God is. But the problem, the problem is that it's much more comfortable for us to project onto God who we want him to be more than to seek out who he actually is. And so here's what I want to do is if, if, if Joseph represents, you guys stay right there, if Joseph represents like the picture of God with his face, and you can come here, scoot a little bit, there we go. If Joseph represents the picture of God, in the year 2023, I believe we are quick to put labels onto God, images onto God, thoughts about God, ideas about God that actually aren't his. And in fact, you can start doing that now. Go ahead and start putting the labels on him. And, and, and maybe, maybe one of those labels that you've put on God is this. God just wants me to be happy. 
that at the end of the day, the thing that God cares about most, I need to use a little tape. There you go. The thing that God cares about most is that I would be happy. Or how about this one? If my situation is bad, God is bad. If my situation is bad, if the thing that I'm going through is difficult, that means God is bad. That means God hates me. Or maybe you've thought this, man, if it feels good, God is okay with it. That Whatever I'm doing, as long as it feels good to me, then God must be okay with it. Or how about this one? God is whoever I want him to be. You do you, I do me, we're just, you pick who you want God to be, you call God whatever you want him to be, he's cool with it. God's whoever I want him to be. Or how about this one? God's love is only earned. It is only earned. That it's only by me doing X, Y, and Z and impressing him that I could ever be loved by God. Or how about this one? Sin is only sin if everybody agrees it's sin. That sin is only sin if everyone else in my culture especially agrees that it's sin. Or how about this one? As long as I go to church, me and God are cool. That God's just like, he, he's just looking for my attendance. He, he just wants me to stop in a couple times a month, hang out at youth group, show up on Sundays every once in a while. That as long as I go to church, me and God are cool. Now here's the dangerous one. When we forget that we are made in God's image. We try to make God into our image. So when we forget that you and I have been made in the image of God, our natural temptation in our culture is to try to make God into our image, into the picture of him that we want. And just like we're seeing right now, that's not perfect, but that's amazing. You see, what this represents, what this represents is the picture of God that we have invented. Here's what I want to invite you into. I want to invite you to consider that this weekend, part of what we're going to do is peel back the layers, take off the post-it notes, take off the tapes. You can go ahead and start doing that now. Wow, there we go. All in one talk. Okay, there we go. You see, what we're hoping to do this weekend is to literally just peel back the layers and say, God, who are you really? What are you actually like, could you guys give these guys a round of applause? You guys are awesome. Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. John Mark Comer, John Mark Comer has this line. He says, for Jesus and all the writers of scripture, the starting point for all theology is the realization that we don't know what God is like, but we can learn, but to learn we have to go to the source. A.W. Tozer said it this way, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward a mental image of God. So I'll ask you again, when you think of God, what do you picture? 
as Annalisa and Corey were saying, we're going to spend our entire weekend together really looking at Ephesians chapter 4 from a bunch of different angles. If you brought your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you, bring your Bibles to, with you every single chapel. Bring your pen, bring your journals so that you can engage in better conversations. But I want you to find me in Ephesians chapter 4, then we're going to go back to Genesis. But we'll start in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, simply says this. So I tell you this. And insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Paul uh, originally, originally set out to destroy Christianity. That he had, he had made his career and his living trying to destroy the church of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he meets Jesus face to face. That all of a sudden, all of those labels that he thought about God came crumbling down. He realized who God really is and was. And it changed everything for him. So, so much so that he gave up everything to, to build the church. To advance the message of Jesus. And what he says here, I'll read it again. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Do you see what Paul, Paul said there? He said there is a direct correlation, a direct connection with what you think and how you live. In other words, what you believe, what you think about the most important things in life will always dictate how you live. And Paul said, you know, there's a lot of people who have a futility about their thinking. In the original language that it was written in, that word futility means empty. It means purposelessness. You see, we live in a culture right now, we live in a day and age where, where the trending ideology is that there is no purpose to life. The, 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 the leading message in our culture is that there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no afterlife, there, there, there's nothing, there's no God. And Paul says that is the futility of their thinking. And so I want to invite you this weekend to just consider with me that maybe that narrative, maybe the narrative of our culture, the message of our world that says today is all there is and that there is no God. Maybe that message is bankrupt. Maybe that message is empty. Maybe that message is futile. And maybe there's a far more important way to think and live that there is actually truth. But to investigate that, we got to start at the very beginning. If you're the note-taking type, here's our first big idea tonight. It's this, God created the world to display his glory. That God created the world to display his glory. Jump with me at the very first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. You see, the, the book of Genesis, Genesis demonstrates that God is eternal and that God pre-existed all creation. The book of Genesis aims to answer the questions, who created the world, what did God create, and why did God create the world? But maybe you fall into the trap of thinking, man, this ancient book, it just couldn't stand up to modern science. It, it couldn't stand up to the prevailing ideologies of the day. Like, why, why would we root our understanding of the world and understanding of God in such an ancient text? Well, maybe here's one reason why. Recently, scientists have discovered something that they call the 122 constants. These 122 constants are scientific there's scientific, observable realities and truths that point back to the miraculous nature of creation. In fact, they, 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 they reveal and demonstrate the statistical miracle that it is that you and I are even here. I would argue that these 122 constants are evidence that, that demonstrate the fingerprint of God all over the place. And I just want to read a few of these to you. This, this is what scientists are just now discovering. One of, them, one of them is this. Do you know that oxygen here on planet Earth, that, that oxygen makes up about 21% of our atmosphere? Here's what scientists have discovered. That if our Earth's atmosphere was full of 20% oxygen or 22% oxygen, just 1% higher or 1% lower, that all of a sudden all of planet Earth would erupt into flames. And so I want you to do something with me on the count of three. I want you to take a deep breath in. One, two, three. And exhale. Just the fact that you did that right now, that you took in a deep breath and exhaled, is literally evidence of God's existence. That God so miraculously created the world so perfectly, leaving evidence of himself all over the place, that every single time the thousands of breaths that we take all the time in and out are demonstrations of God's glory, evidence. That he created us. Check out this one. Here's another one. Gravity. Did you know that if, if gravity was altered by point zero 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 thirty seven zero 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 one percent, that we would no longer have a sun. The sun wouldn't exist, and we wouldn't be here. It's like it's like. Hold on, I need someone to help me. Let's see. What's your name right here? Jojo. Can you stand up real quick, Jojo? Hey, can everyone say hi to Jojo? Jojo, what's up, bro? All right, Jojo, go ahead and take a seat. Go ahead and take a seat, bud. All right, go ahead and take a seat. Wait, what the? Did, did y'all see that? Hold on, stand up, Jojo. Stand up real quick. All right, everyone say hi, Jojo. All right, dude, you can have a seat. Have a seat, Jojo. Dude, where's the round of applause for Jojo taking a seat? How come nobody's freaking out right now? Here's why, here's why. Because the person next to you, when they sat down, 
You didn't freak out. You didn't go crazy because everybody knows how to sit down, right? There's, there's no Olympic event for sitting down, right? Like, you don't get a medal. You don't get on ESPN. Like, nothing cool happens. But here's what's incredible is that the way in which God fashioned the world that we live in so that as we're walking around, our feet stay rooted on the ground, that when we sit in our chairs, that weight that helps us sit on our chairs, that, that helps us lie down in our beds and stay in our beds instead of just floating around the world is literally evidence that God created the world. Because it's gravity, the thing that keeps you on the ground was altered ever so slightly. The sun wouldn't be here, and we wouldn't be here. Do you see how just these two pieces of evidence, the breath that you take in, and the chair that you sat in, point to the fact that it is not an accident you are here. And oh friends, some of you have had people in your life tell you you're an accident. You've had people say things to you that are awful, that you shouldn't be here, that you're a waste of space, that you weren't planned, that, that, that whatever horrible lies you've heard, creation demonstrates that God loves you enough to create this place to put you here. Uh, another one of them, uh, another one of the 122 constants says that earth, earth tilts it at a, at a 23 degrees. You guys know that? It tilts at 23 degrees. Scientists have told us that if it tilted at 24 degrees or at 22 degrees, that surface temperatures on planet Earth would be too hot, too cold, nobody could survive. And so when you read in the ancient text of Genesis that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and he tilts it, it's a way of God saying, I made this place for you. Lastly, scientists tell us that the universe is expanding, and if the universe is expanding, that means it had an origin. But here's what's crazy about how the universe is expanding. If the rate at which the universe was expanding was one one millionth faster or one one millionth slower, the whole thing would collapse on itself, and we wouldn't be here. And so with every breath you take in, with every chair or bed you sit down and lay on, that as the earth continues to spin and the universe continues to expand, all of science is echoing what the scriptures are testifying to, that God is the creator. In fact, science is a front row seat to the glory of God. This is what David meant in Psalm chapter 19, verses 1 to 2. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Shelley Beach has this wonderful quote. She said, when we look at the beauty of creation, we should take it personal. God placed us here on earth in the center of a three-dimensional, living, breathing valentine that shouts his love for us. The beauty of creation is inescapable. We need only to open our eyes or pause to listen in a meadow. The beauty of creation is possible because of God's inherent beauty. Beauty is rooted in him and it calls us to Students, I want to tell you something tonight. Maybe you don't already know in here. The most beautiful thing God created is not the stars or the sun, the moon. It's not the trees. It's not the mountains. 
the most beautiful thing that God created is you. If you're taking notes, here's our second big idea. God created people to experience his glory. In the Genesis account, after God has created the sun, the moon, the stars, as he separated the earth from the waters, he's created animals and, and planets and all the things. All of a sudden, the story takes an interesting turn. In Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27, God said, let us make mankind. Now, God had been stating what he was going to create, but then he did something radically different. He said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That God designed every single one of you to reflect him. That just who you are reflects him. It's a picture it's a signpost that you're not here by accident. You're not a waste of space. That you bear the image of the creator God. Let that sink in for a minute. And this is high school, so we're going there. Ladies, next time a guy like slides into your DM and tries to get a nude pic, you tell him, I'm made in the image of God. There's no way I'm settling for that. The guys, next time a, a group of people say, hey, I want, I want you to look at this image. Check out this picture of this girl. I want, you, I want to show you this, this porn. You say, are you kidding me? That girl is made in the image of God, and I am too. I'm not going anywhere near that. The next time somebody, you know, I was just talking with my high school students last week. And I don't, I'm not even going to ask this question because I'd be terrified of, of the answer. But I asked a group of my high school students. I said, how many of you have had somebody at some point tell you you should kill yourself? And a terrifying amount of hands went in the air. How do we combat this? We root ourselves in this ancient story that we are made in the image of God. That, that your very being, your very existence was born out of God's desire to be close with you. And for you to be unique in all of creation. It's in Acts chapter 17 verse 25 it says, And he is not served, talking about God, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather he himself gives everyone life breath and everything that God breathed you into existence because he loves you. And you and I were designed. We were designed to, to think about the glory of God. To enjoy the glory of God. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 and 18, he said, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory 
are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. You see, maybe one of the reasons that you've been wandering throughout life, maybe one of the reasons that you've been moving from boyfriend to boyfriend or girlfriend to girlfriend, maybe one of the reasons you've been so quick to give so much of yourself away, maybe one of the reasons it's become so easy and yet devastating for you to root your confidence and your identity in how well you perform on the football field or in theater or whatever skill you have or how smart you are, maybe one of the reasons that you are so tempted to find and root your identity in any of those things you forgotten or you didn't know that God Almighty, who is eternal, who created all things, brought you into this world. And maybe as Paul said, that the futility of your thinking, the emptiness of your thinking has caused you to live in really destructive and broken Maybe the road back begins with a big view of who God is. A.W. Tozer said in another place, God's sovereignty is the attribute by which he rules his entire creation. And to be sovereign, God must be all-knowing, all-powerful, and absolutely free. This is an incredibly comforting truth for me. That God is all-powerful, that God is all-knowing, and that God is absolutely free, and he has chosen to, to use his freedom to move in my direction and in your direction. But the truth is, you and I are not all-powerful. You and I are not all-knowing. But you and I are free. We're free to choose. Make no mistake about it, last big idea is this. The enemy is trying to reverse everything God has done. And maybe some of you, as I've painted this picture of God's creation, you're going, okay, well, that's not my experience. The world seems so broken. Why? We're going to talk about that more tomorrow morning, but for tonight. It's because Satan is waging a war against God, trying to undo and reverse everything God has done. But it's important, sometimes we think of, of Satan as like, it's like, it's like Thanos against the Avengers, right? Like, who's going to win? No, 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 it's not like that at all. That God's all-powerful, Satan is a created being, but he is still, he is still using everything he can to try to distract us. try to get us to continue in our futile thoughts and actions. And so God desires to bear his image and to reflect his image. And Satan wants nothing better to do that. So while the bad news is, as John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy Here's the good news. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
God, I believe, moved heaven and earth to get every one of you here this weekend to reveal himself to you so that you could decide what your next move is. Because God made you free. He's given you the ability to choose. He wants to reveal himself Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for every single student that you have brought up here this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to open your word, to consider truths that we've either forgotten or have never heard before. And I thank you that you are not a God we can manipulate or change or try to make into our own image, but that you are a God who has revealed yourself to us. This weekend, may we peel back those layers as we look at your word and see you for who you really are. And that that changes everything. God, speak to us and move through us. We love you, Lord. Amen.